Welcome to the VVV Podcast. Welcome to the show, Philip. Thank you very much for your time, for joining in to tell us more about your exciting project, LiFi. So during my research, I, I learned something new. Yeah? There is a communication standard that wants to replace Wi-Fi with light signals, and it's also called Li-Fi. So that was a, a quite <laughs> challenging experience here yeah, to, to find the right content that I was looking for. So I'm, I'm glad that you are here today to uh, explain a little bit more about your uh, application. But uh, before we, we, we dive into the project itself, um, would you would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background story and uh, what was your first interaction with the blockchain technology at all? Yes, of course. Yeah, the Li-Fi thing is an unfortunate. Um, Li-Fi is, is essentially short for linked finance. And uh, then we got the domain Li-Finance, um, li.finance. And... Uh, then later on, we found li.fi and like a four character domain I couldn't say no to. So we completely rebranded <laughs> to that one. That's kind of the story to the name. Now, my personal story is I that I um, started programming at a very young age, like at around 12. Um, so I kind of saw the web developing. Uh, it was uh, essentially pre.com bubble or like during the .com burst, so to say. And so real boomer um, action back then, I was still writing uh, like CSS switches for for Netscape. I don't know who of you remember that browser. Um, and yeah, from, from there on, I, I continued developing web applications throughout all these different booms we had, like the mobile boom, the social media boom, variables um, and whatever. And I spent the past, now over the past 10 years, building companies. Um, I think the first one with 15, then the second one with 17 and a half, and then also my whole 20s. I'm 32 now, so I spent my whole 20s building companies, um, uh, different B2B software as a services, six years in gaming, um, two and a half years in biotech, and another year in marketplace intelligence. And th those three startups all with the same co-founder, Max. And Max is also my co-founder in this startup uh, in Lefi. So um, Max is also very, very technical. Um, I'm uh, more the outgoing person, so I do business development by now. I don't touch code anymore. Um, but because we both of us have that very technical understanding, there is no management IT gap. So um, it's a very fluent uh, yeah, relationship between us when it comes to communication things. And yeah, having worked together for 10 years, uh, he's also my age. Um, uh, we have a very long history and trust foundation to build on. And uh, yeah, uh, two years ago, we were evaluating, after the marketplace intelligence startup, we were evaluating different market opportunities. And um, by accident, we came to the crypto space um, that was beginning 2021. So literally before that, we have never touched crypto, neither him nor me. And yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, we came to the space. And since the three companies we had before were very data heavy we were looking at blockchain throughput rates and we was like oh my god like like this won't scale right and the transaction costs alongside confirmed that and um, then lucky enough there was a hackathon called scaling ethereum organized by eth global and that got us into that infrastructure topic um 
And then we look back like 10 years ago and we're like, hey, what was enabling that software as a service and e-commerce boom? And it was kind of companies like Stripe, right? That aggregated different payment processors and made it very easy to offer payment solutions in all kinds of web applications. And we had that same idea for Leafy and we we're like, hey, someone needs to aggregate all these core DeFi services and abstract all of that away. And so Leafy was born. That is kind of um, the story how it started. Long story short. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I really see the, the big benefit. Yeah. If you, if you work together with a trusted partner yeah, in your company and you already have the experience for uh, many years together. So how, how did you meet each other at the beginning? Uh, the story here is um, essentially we started in the same city and in 2012 or 11 or 13, some, somewhere like that, there was a flood. So the river was flowing over, but not just a little. It was like the, the largest flood in 500 years or something. So it was 12, 12, I remember 12, that, 12. Yeah. 8 meters. The, so, this, the, the yeah. students were cleaning up the city. Um, it was very inefficient. I wrote an app to coordinate these students. And Max, who was back then working at the informatics faculty in the university, he wrote me an email. And then that's how we got started. And uh, he rewrote the app within a day. Which with much cleaner code. And I was Amazing. like, okay, I need to, he's a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, it it was a perfect match, yeah, from the yeah, beginning. From the yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. So um yeah, I would I would suggest let's let's talk about uh Levi and um before we get into the details, yeah, uh, could you explain um, what you are building on on your platform on a on a high level, and uh, then we can follow the rabbit hole from here? Yes, of course. So what we have seen over the past two three years is essentially that um, that that infrastructure is fragmenting. Now, what I mean what I mean by that is that multiple chains are relevant, and the chains themselves are starting to split up into more modular projects, right? So Ethereum is coming up with roll-ups, optimistic roll-ups, zero-knowledge roll-ups. Now the next level for them will be to have a shared settlement stack or shared sequencers, um, right? So, so these things are splitting up and splitting up and splitting up. Um, then there will also be post-dang sharding, so another way to split things up. And then um, we see similar trends like with Celestia and Fuel, so modular blockchains are a trend. And what this ends up is being is like a fragmented landscape of infrastructure and so also liquidity, right? So liquidity is available on multiple DEXs on different chains. And um, on top of that, if you want to exchange information from one chain to the other, um, we need cross-chain bridges, not only for data, um, where we have arbitrary data messaging bridges, like layer zero, axilar, wormhole, but also for liquidity, where we have typically liquidity networks, um, and all kinds of different bridging solutions. So all of that is very overwhelming. It's overwhelming for developers um, who simply want to simplify um, the, the user's journey, right? So users have their assets on multiple chains nowadays. 
and um, it's it's just a messy user experience if to if you have to figure out which bridge or decks to use and and then you can use this new dev you just have found on Twitter for example. So we want to simplify that user journey. At the same time, for any player that comes from top, let's say a Robinhood or let's say um, a bank uh, like. Uh, like N26, uh, like if, if these companies coming from top from the traditional world and they want to look at crypto, they look at this fragmented environment. And for them, it's a lot of overhead to research which projects to engage with and which um, which infrastructure projects are safe to use um, and, and, and whatnot. And, and we take on this work, like we do the research, which infrastructure is the best and which, which, which infrastructure is necessary. And then we aggregate all of that on two levels. The one level is a smart order routing. So essentially by tracking all that liquidity, we can give you the best route from one asset A on a certain blockchain X to any other asset B on any other blockchain Y. Um, can also be on the same chain, but it doesn't matter. It's smart order routing in that multi-chain environment. Um, so that means we, we, we talk to all the DEX aggregators like OneInch, ZeroX, Powerswap, OpenOcean, Dodo. We also talk to all the bridge providers like Stargate um, um, and, and Connex and Hop and Seabridge and Multichain and, and whatever. And then we find the best route across all these different um, um, infrastructure pieces. We calculate call data for these different routes, and then on the on the second level, we have that execution environment, and the the, the execution environment is on chain, right? So we have a smart contract on each chain and our smart contracts talk to these different infrastructure pieces. They talk to zero X, they talk to the bridges. And for example, we can do things like swap bridge, swap and stake within one transaction. So um, once you sign the call data, our smart contract is called and our smart contract knows exactly, hey, first we need to swap this asset on zero X and then we need to call the bridge and we need to tell the bridge um, that once done with bridging, um, it needs to call our smart contract on the destination chain and on the destination chain then our smart contract again knows that it has to swap again and then call a certain contract to purchase an NFT or um, stake funds on a certain protocol. And then we can go even further and be like, all right, once you have stake, take the LP token and send it back to um, another wallet. So pretty powerful um, execution environment in this in this multi-chain environment we are in. Um, that's what we have been building. And we are 41 people by now. Um, and we serve over 100 integration partners. Um, and I think the largest is MetaMask, where we are running roughly 80 to 90% of the bridging volume. Wow, that's that's a huge, a huge uh, thing, yeah? Congratulations. That's really impressive. So you've, you've mentioned uh, that you offer solutions for, for both sides. Yeah, you have, uh, let's say, user-facing solutions and also developer-facing uh, products. Uh, could you could you walk us through the different services and products that you provide? Yes, of course. For both yes. sides? Yes. So first and foremost, Nephi is a B2B company. We mostly take care of, of other businesses and provide them an API and the SDK to 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 to, to use this this info, this execution environment and our smart order routing to, to build more complex products. Um, we also have a B two C interface. We simply learned over the course of the past two years that just having that multi chain swap um, 
uh, solves a huge pain point for many retail investors. So we back then had Transfer to XYZ. We rebranded it beginning this year and we call it Jumper, Jumper Exchange, Jumper.exchange. Um, there you can see um, sim simply our widget. Um, we have a widget um, that, so if people don't have time to build their own user experience around the API or SDK, they can simply implement our widget it's highly customizable to your own corporate identity so you can adjust corners and and and, and shapes and and colors and font families and and whatever um, everything according to how you like it um, and on jumper.exchange we offer that widget to consumers where they can simply swap and bridge um, as necessary it's it's more or less a showcase of what we are doing and um, helps understanding our technology in a better way um, and at the same time solves a problem for retail users. I see, I see. So it's, it's more like a template that others can implement into their own projects. Exactly. But uh, it's, not, it's not a focus to also onboard the, the retail users. No, to your no, no, no. We are clearly a B2B company. That's been our, our goal from day one. And um, that's, that's our focus for now. I see, I see. Yeah, I think you, you do a really important uh, job here in making life of, of uh, new users uh, easier because even for myself, and I'm, I'm really 100% dedicated to Web3, it's, it's very demanding yeah, to, to keep up with the, with the developments here. And maybe could you, could you tell us a little bit more about the, the internal uh, process, yeah? to keep up with, with all the new ecosystems and the new bridges and the new chains that pop up each and every day? Yeah, it's a, quite a challenging task. We have an internal research team. It's roughly uh, two people big. Um, and they do nothing else than reading up on new technologies, um, new infrastructure pieces. While at the same time, we have built... Um, quite a solid brand. So we are automatically getting introduced to everything that's coming up. So we've been talking to six, seven different shared sequencer projects over the past two, three weeks, um, because simply these projects either come to us by, the, by themselves or um, people like our investors are introducing us to them. Um, it totally makes sense for them to get in touch early and to get feedback, um, but also um, to make sure that down the line they get included in whatever we do, because we aim to take away this pain of having to keep up with infrastructure changes. And um, I'm pretty, pretty certain we're going to continue to see more and more fragmentation um, across uh, infrastructure uh, down the line. Because at some point, we have to get back to a level that keeps up with the current status of traditional trading, right? Like right now, um, high-frequency trading is happening on nanosecond level, um, whereby um, trading in crypto uh, is on, on, on seconds level. So far, far away mm. from where it should be. And it would take a lot of um, uh, innovation to, to, to get back to that state while maintaining Definitely. decentralization and censorship resistance. And, and we still have to figure out like things like um, MEV and so on. So, so the next five to 10 years will be exciting. And we have Definitely, companies yeah. to, to have that way and um, to, to have a way to... to, right. to yeah, to build prototypes quickly and not having a huge sunk cost fallacy. Amazing, amazing. So um, in your SDK, you offer more or less free, free major building blocks. Yeah? So the, the 
swaps, the cross-chain swaps, the bridging, and also the, the data messaging part. So which, which applications do you like to see in future built on top of your, of your SDKs? Um, Besides the traditional swap. So I think that's the, the, the easy one, yeah, the low-hanging fruit. But what, what could you see on top we of We see it? us as major DeFi transaction rail. Um, so anything that needs to move money from a hedge fund to um, liquid funds of any kind um, to large wallets and so on, there is so much more to be aggregated once we see more reward assets being tokenized, for example. You're going to see these things happening on private or permission chains, so tapping to these waters uh, will be an interesting task. Um, and yeah, I, I think this problem is very, very big, and it's, it's, it just started. It will grow. And, and um, we imagine it's, it's like Stripe. Like if you would ask Stripe, what, what would Stripe answer? Stripe would answer probably, well, whenever there's money, um, whenever there's any credit card payment uh, necessary, right? So same for us, whenever there's any crypto and crypto transaction necessary, we want to be that very tiny middleware that's very powerful. And... That's amazing. Yeah, really, really bold goal. Yeah, so I like this. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. So um, talking about the future of, of DeFi, um, how do you see the institutional space? When will they join the party? Oh, they're already joining. They are already joining. It's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> okay. it's, it's, it's all the major financial institutions are taking a look into crypto and the regulatory environment is shaping up more and more. So it's, it's all going in, the, in, the, in a good direction. In Europe, we have the Mika regulations coming up. Um, I think Asia is very bullish on, on crypto, uh, Latin America as well, Africa as well. So um, also ultimately the US will have to um, follow um, these, these, these findings and these um, developments. So um, uh, mm -hmm. um, I think all the banks are looking into the one business model that's closest to what they are already doing, which is custody. Um, yeah, all the banks are looking into it. Um, so this is one thing. And uh, from there, we will see more and more engagement with DeFi products as possible. Um, there might be a huge trend towards permission liquidity pools. I'm very um, yeah, curious to see how that plays out um, because obviously all DeFi liquidity pools are in some way tainted. Um, by you know by 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 funds that are uh, uh have been used by by hackers or whatever and so it's just difficult to engage with these liquidity pools in that regulatory environment and with the aml like anti-money laundering rules we have in place uh so this will be an interesting challenge and um, i think we're going to see a very hybrid phase where these things uh will be mixed up uh uh, by by additional liquidity pools um, that are permissioned and and clean in that sense. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned the regulation topic. So currently, I think there is also still a, a huge uncertainty yeah, in the space, and many are are yeah waiting on the sideline yeah until everything settles also on a on a global scale yeah. So I think the European regulation is, is a good step into the right direction. But yeah, the US need to follow, of course. So what, what is your approach as a, a founder in this space yeah, to be prepared for this ever-changing governmental risks 
for new regulations? Uh, yeah, that's a difficult question. I think um, being careful with your market positioning, being careful with how you build out your product. So, for example, right now we are non-custodial. We want to keep it that way. So that way we can mitigate the risk of being regulated um, to a certain extent, at least. We also um, make sure that we are constantly in touch with um, with, with re regulators themselves um, and people that are close to regulations. Um, and in Germany, we even try to shape regulations. So trying to do politics and being involved with, with these things. I think that was also, um, yeah, um, other large companies like Coinbase or FTX or whatever, they were also quite involved with regulators. Um, and I think it, it, it's some part of um, a founder's homework um, to, 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 understand, to understand early how things are shaping out um, or being part of shaping things, right? Um, because we ultimately have a much better idea of what we are building and what this industry is building. So it's our job to transport the message and make clear, hey, this is more than um, a, scammy, a scammy environment that people can invest in. No, this is a new decentralized global financial infrastructure we can build on and rely on. And, um, and it's important to have people that, that can share that message. Mm -hmm. Definitely, yeah. I think the, the majority of, of people in this space yeah, came here because they, they see that there is a demand for a, a true decentralized uh, solution yeah, that uh, grants access to those financial instruments uh, to everyone. And what, what is your take on the topic of, of governmental censorship? Because we've seen this now on, on different, different areas uh, that yeah, some let's say regions for example get uh, shut down and, and don't get access to certain uh, protocols or different wallets get blacklisted and uh, uh, cannot access uh, certain services anymore so what what is your take on this influence uh, from the government it's very easy to talk down on them right it's like oh, what are you doing you're bad um, at the same time, look how overwhelmed we all are with the development pace of that industry. And of course, I mean, politics and, and uh, nation states are, are mainly controlled by financial institutions to a certain extent, uh, made from a lobbying perspective or whatever. Um, so obviously, um, a def very defensive reaction is to be expected in the first place. But also, at the same time, we see um, these these countries um, working on regulations, right? Like we have seen Europe, the Mika regulations. Um, I think it's it's a solid first step. Like what what else to expect? Um, and then we can shape these things. Politics is slow. politics are slow. Um, so um, yeah, some very defensive reactions. Um, were to be expected from the get-go, at least like when I joined the space, it was pretty clear, hey, at some point, regulations have to crack down to a certain extent. And I think China did so as well, but like rumors are that China is opening up again um, now that they have a better idea. And yeah, we also see other, comp other countries that um, go in a very aggressive direction uh, and be like, hey, we want to be the number one blockchain state like Japan did, right? So Japan's prime minister um, said something like this recently during East Tokyo. Um, so it was, um, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time simply bashing on these things. For, for me, all of that is pretty organic development and yeah, expected. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It, it isn't black or white. Yeah, yet, I try not to be angry. <laughs> there are, 
Definitely, definitely. I think I, I also agree yeah, that uh, some kind of regulation is is really healthy and mandatory yeah, to to unlock also the the, the global markets. Yeah, um, and yeah, we need to get rid of this wild west mentality in the web free space. Yeah, that uh, everyone gets scammed constantly. So I think yeah, some somewhere in the middle lies the truth here. Yeah, so <laughs> we will try to to figure it out yeah over the next years hopefully and um talking about this this different um regions yeah so if if we look back in the web 2 world yeah the the united states were always the dominant innovator yeah all the big uh, new platforms be it uh, apple or facebook or whatsoever are are mainly yeah, evolving out of, of Silicon Valley. And now there is this interesting trend yeah, that they are very restrictive on blockchain technology. And uh, do you see a trend that uh, they there will be a new, let's say, blockchain-related Silicon Valley evolving out of this situation? And if yes, where where is the best place currently as a founder to, to start? I, I think... Web3 is really the one space, the one place where it really doesn't matter where you're based out of. Um, Silicon Valley uh, has, hasn't been the, hard to say, but like it's not the ultimate dominant player for all things that are, that have been growing tremendously over the past years. They are not the major place to be for biotech. They're not the major place to be for AI. Um, and they're not the major place to be for blockchain. Well, they still are a major place, but not the major place. It's different. At it's like the sentiment has changed, and you could still argue and throw numbers at me and be like, "Well, actually, still most investments in AI are happening there." Um, of course, you can, um, but it's it's not it's it's not as as strong as it was in Web two, um, and not with a there's not that huge moat. Um, they they keep up having. Um, well, they still have it on venture capital. I would say venture capital is still pretty much um, ch um, channeled um, towards that direction. But that same money is being spent and deployed across the globe. So um, yeah, if you do your homework and you network enough and you fly to events and you uh, make sure you make your network work and get get introductions as much as possible via your investors and so on. It really does matter where you're based out of. Definitely, yeah. So I think that's also a big chance yeah, for uh, certain regions yeah, to, to uh, push innovation. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's also good to have some kind of decentralization yeah, on, on a global scale here in terms of blockchain innovation. So I really like like this approach yeah, to have this global family and everyone could participate. And yeah, we see it also in our own team. Yeah, so we are also spread across the globe here, and it's a, a very interesting dynamic. Yeah, to to work with all those different uh, members of different cultures. Yeah, in different time zones. Um, how how is uh, your team structured? Are they mainly based in in Germany, or do you also have this international team? No, we are a very international team, around 51, 41 people right now, and we are um, we try to hire more in Europe, 
but we are spread across the globe. So we have three people in the US, we have two people in Colombia, we have, um, at the same time, we have people in Singapore, Japan, India, um, and Thailand. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, um, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Levi's everywhere. <laughs> same also <laughs> Africa, Cape, Cape Town, there's also another one. Um, and then, uh, but, but yeah, we try to keep people more and more in the European time zone to make communication more efficient. Um, but especially mm. in the beginning, we simply hired from everywhere because it was also like we started in the bull market. It was so hard to find talent. Um, now it's, it's gotten easier a bit. Mm -hmm. I see. Are you currently hiring? Uh, yes, we do. So, um, so there is a link. So um, maybe maybe that's a good opportunity here also to, to tell more about your requirements here. Maybe one of the listeners is interested. Yeah. And yeah. would be great to hear. Philippe, can you hear me? Uh, sorry, sorry I, was, I was out again. Okay, now, now you're back. <laughs> great. Sorry, what was the last? Now question? it's more exciting. Now it's more more exciting for the for the listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I was just asking yeah, for a, a profile of the people you are looking for, if someone is interested. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. To I join the team. Right, but I, I guess I was out. So technically, I think you dropped out yeah. exactly when you started. Yeah, I'm yeah. very sorry. <laughs> so senior backend engineer, and this is is searched. Um, but but first and foremost, we are searching for a technical support engineer. Like a technical support engineer for us means answering technical questions that co are coming in. So we work with plenty of developers um, from companies of all sizes. And we are searching for someone that's able to understand not only our technical documentation um, um, and would be able to implement our tech um, um, themselves, but then also being able to simply um, know all the all the edge cases that are coming up. So we, we are working with so many third-party providers. So there are so many edge cases with DEXs, DEX aggregators, RPCs, relayer networks, and bridges. Um, understanding these things and being able to answer quickly, like a responsive person, um, um, that simply likes to support other people with their problems. Like it's, I think it's a certain personality type while being technical. Um, that's what we are searching for. We tried a couple of, um, of persons already. It's really hard to find for us. Um, and you know, like providing a good customer service has been a priority from day one, um, being responsive and responsible and, and simply making sure that, that people are happy. Um, and that's easy for them to integrate us and solving their problems along the way. Um, all of that was very important for us um, from, from the get-go. So um, we would love to keep this up, but we have so much traction by now that it's really hard to keep up. Um, and our developers are spending more time serving clients than being able to um, progress on product side. That's how it feels quite often. And uh, so, yeah. If you are out there, <laughs> um, please, please <laughs> apply. Um, there are more job offerings on join.com. Um, on join.com, you can search for um, Levi. Um, or, uh, I can unfortunately not drop a link here, right? Um, yeah, so this is, um, this is definitely something. Um, uh, yeah, senior backend engineer, technical support engineer, developer relations engineer. Um, Someone we can send to conferences, and that is technical as well, but also very sociable, like with a huge social battery, um, is also uh, something we need. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are many, many developers uh, considering to enter the Web3 space, but yeah, 
I think you need a, a skilled person yeah, with a lot of experience yeah, to, to handle the load of different things and, and tasks here. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, for sure a very demanding uh, position. Yeah? I've just sent uh, a link. Uh, I just, just replied to the space here with a link to all the company offerings. Yeah. Right yeah. Ah, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so if, if someone in the audience is, is looking for a new challenge, I think uh, Levi can offer you really a really interesting job that never gets boring, yeah, because there are so many uh, moving parts here in this ecosystem that's uh, always, always uh, a new challenge each day, yeah. So uh, talking about those, those challenges and, and uh, talking about the responsibility, um, you have, yeah, let's say a, a, a huge amount of different ecosystems. You have a lot of different bridges, for example. Um, how, how do you handle this uh, change in terms of uh, security as well? Yeah, because we, we've seen yeah, these large bridge hacks yeah, during the last years. Uh, how, how do you assess that uh, a bridge is safe to use? So this is a very complex question. I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm about to post a second link here quite soon. So essentially, um, the, the due diligence we do is uh, multifold. We start with the team due diligence. So we are looking at who's behind the project and what's their track record. We actually meet these people for dinner and, and try to get a gut feeling. We see who is invested, what's the reputation of those investors. Um, we make sure that um, that we feel comfortable working with, with the team behind it. Uh, we also assess certain technical things from a developer operational standpoint. Um, that means that, um, for example, we want to understand who's able to deploy contracts. Is this an upgradable contract? Um, is a multi-sig necessary to do that? Um, like how do, who can push updates? How are updates happening? We ask these questions um, to understand, have these companies done their homework? And uh, it's, it's quite shocking to see how many haven't. Um, so there's a reason why we only, let's say, only have implemented, I think, around 15, 16 bridges right now. Um, there are plenty of bridges that we haven't implemented with them, even though we like the founders, but like they didn't pass certain things. We also talked to the auditing companies behind these projects. So if if um, we, we spoke to auditors that that simply said, well, we ordered the, this company um, and we gave our recommendations, but unfortunately they were not followed. So um, we cannot recommend working with them. Um, so that uh, so some auditing companies have been a gatekeeper, so to say. Um, we also um, have a very complex risk assessment frameworks in general. We use to understand the design of the bridge. I'm, I'm going to post a link now. It's a cross-chain risk framework we have developed together with Consensus. Consensus is the company behind MetaMask. Um, and we spent six, seven months together with them to build this framework. We recently um, uh, spent time in Dubai and presented it in front of the IEEE, which is um, like a, the biggest inter international organization around um, in general development of, of internet technologies. Um, so yeah, uh, th that's what we do. Um, and we also, um, I mean, if, you have, if you're reading our blog, blog.li.fi, um, you find deep dives to all the bridges we implement, um, kind of a way to show that we 
try to do our homework as much as possible. But then at the same time, we always recommend to do your own research. Um, our blog is one tool to give you as many resources as possible to do your own research or to simplify doing your own homework. And then the way our API and SDK are working is that you can simply allow or deny any third-party provider we are implementing. So you have whitelists and blacklists, so to say, um, which allow you to say, hey, we do trust this project, but we do not trust the other one. Um, so you can adjust our tech according to your own risk profile. Ah, I see. That's also interesting, yeah. Um, because uh, I was just thinking about, uh, yeah, we are we are operating here in a let's say decentralized space, yeah. But all the steps you you've mentioned, yeah, are mainly based on a centralized uh, workflow, yeah. So there there must be someone who do the due diligence and decides this is good or bad. Um, do you have any any plans for the future to also decentralize the, the structure of, of LeFi, of the team itself and this uh, yeah, due diligence process? Or will it, will it always be mandatory to, to have it uh, in a company yeah, with, with a, a corporate structure? I mean, having a committee that uh, conducts research on infrastructure pieces will always be necessary, and that's also decentralizable, right? It would be easy to vote for certain people to join that committee on, on, on doing that homework. Uh, Uniswap Foundation has just done that on arbitrary data messaging bridges. Um, I don't know if you remember, but um, as Uniswap V3 was about to be to be deployed on, on BSC, there was that huge discussion within the Uniswap forum, where especially... Uh, jump with who is behind wormhole and also uh, a16z who is behind layer zero um, they were pulling all their funds to vote for each other mm -hmm. um, for each player <laughs> to yeah. get uh, to be the one solution um, but after that they recognized well it might be too early for any of these solutions so why are we not talking about uh, a bridge assessment process and why are we not talking about message aggregation so this is uh, something we are evaluating right now whether we want to go down right now we have been focusing on liquidity aggregation but message aggregation so that you essentially send a message across multiple messaging bridges and then you kind of have to find a quorum on whether that sent message is legit or not so you send it with three different kind of bridges and only if uh, if all of them are the same um, it was not manipulated and uh, it goes through um, that's kind of the idea here but yeah um, that was a committee that was being voted on from the Uniswap foundation and in the same way, um, I could see us decentralizing our organization. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it's so nothing. On the, in the, nothing short term. Okay, but but it's it's on your radar also for the future to to do oh, such is. a thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, I think it's it's also a a quite challenging thing. Yeah, to decentralize those structures. Yeah, uh, to to also keep it sustainable. Yeah, over the long term. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, yeah, there are different interests, yeah, and different parties involved, and yeah, it's it's also a challenge, yeah, to keep these things running. Um, <clears throat> talking about in investors, yeah, um, you have recently closed uh, your Series A round, and mm -hmm. uh, so congratulations, yeah, to this, especially in these demanding and and very difficult times, yeah, in the bear market. I can imagine that was was uh, not not that easy. And uh, how how important how important uh, is the selection of the the right partners, the right investors in the process? 
what what uh, can you tell us about yeah, the, the selection process and also out of the the founders perspective yeah what what is essential so so there's one thing once one thing is signal so obviously some funds have a better signaling effect because they are established they have invested in successful companies and that gives them a good track record on the other hand you could argue that you want to have strategically well-positioned VCs or investors of any kind that help you out in, in, in your future growth strategy. Well, if that is necessary, it depends on you as a founder. I think many founders fail to utilize their investors in a, in a, to a good extent. Um, this is, I believe, one thing we have done really well. It's essentially we are working closely with our investors. We have a very strategic, we had a very strategic cap table from the get-go and we really work with them, ask for introductions frequently and we make sure that uh, we get advice on certain things and they work with us and then, and that way we also got them to introduce us by themselves to new projects that are coming out. Um, and, and yeah, we, we want to continue to do so. So it, it worked pretty well in DeFi. It's going to get harder in TradFi. So our company has been shifting focus a bit from DeFi to TradFi uh, because it's simply easier to monetize in, in traditional finance. Um, and again, we chose investors um, like CoinFund, uh, whose team is, uh, has a long history in traditional finance. Um, while at the same time, um, the second largest investor was Superscript, Superscript uh, doesn't have a big name yet um, because it's a new venture arm of Tamasek. And you know, like, you know Tamasek, right? It's a Singaporean $400 billion wealth fund. Um, mm -hmm. And um, they are essentially at least passively or around one corner invested into anything relevant across the globe. So they literally say, said to us, hey, we can introduce you to anyone, anyone you want to talk to. It just might take two weeks. And we're like, okay. That, that, that sounds yeah, that's very powerful, yeah. <laughs> it's Definitely, very powerful, yeah. exactly. Um, so um, that's how we chose our investors. And then, so, so while CoinPond is in New York um, and uh, Superscript slash Temasek is in Singapore, uh, we had like um, two very large promising regions covered. And then we made sure that we have um, other investors in Europe as well, because actually our exposure towards European investors was very small. Um, all our past rounds were mainly raised from um, US and Asia funds. So Dragonfly from San Francisco, for example. Um, and uh, yeah, also 1KX is more based in the US than in Europe, I feel. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, so um, how, how important is uh, the, the community aspect in, in your project? Because you are a B2B project, yeah? so you are maybe not directly interested into a, a large following but uh, i think you need to attract let's say the developer communities yeah, to to be aware of your of your platform oh i believe uh, community is very important it's not only about um, attracting developers and, and clients it's also about attracting talent right and i think you grow a community like a large community is a byproduct of doing of having a good positioning in the market and and give it like providing value and we provide value with the products we are building we provide value with um with the content we are putting out and and this is just very important for us um so uh uh we, community is is what takes you forward um in, in this industry specifically 
um, on, on so many levels. So yeah, long story short, it is a very important to us and has been from day one. I see. I see. And also, Do you like, also offer know. some some grants for for new uh, developers that want to try something that never that was never done before. We haven't done that yet, to be honest. Uh, we also didn't get many requests because it's pretty straightforward to integrate us. Like it doesn't take take much. Um, so uh, we we try to keep our API interface as simple as possible. We have a very well documented API and well documented. Um, uh, uh, SDK, and that's simply uh, it's too easy to use. <laughs> uh, it really require, no, no grant yeah. required. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's also like from a business perspective. If it takes a grant to integrate us, then either we are not solving a big enough problem for that customer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, or we simply have built a shitty product. Because mm -hmm. they only, you know, it's just like it's 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 just a wrong premise. It's just a wrong incentive. I, I, I would, I would say that's that's why. Uh, no, we we haven't done that so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make make absolute sense. Yeah, definitely. I think it it also um, makes a difference if you are, for example, a, a new L1, and you need to bootstrap an entire ecosystem yeah, to offer those grants yeah, to attract uh, people building on top of your blockchain. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, in your case, it, the, the benefit out of it is is limited. Yeah, definitely. But I have to correct myself. We had we had some um, optimism grants um, which we uh, which we redeployed. Um, um, Uh, so um, yeah, so, so we gave out we got we gave out grants as we got a grant to give out grants. So, mm, so okay, just 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 to correct myself here in this. I see, I see. Yeah, perfect. Um, I I just I recognized that we never spoke about uh, which ecosystems you are currently supporting and uh, let's say. To which blockchains can can we bridge on on Levi? Yeah, so far we have covered around twenty EVM chains, um, all the major ones um, and some smaller ones. And uh, what's next are probably um, um, things like um, Canto, Solana, uh, Cosmos. Uh, yeah, those are and all the zero knowledge, zero knowledge ones, um, CK Era and Linea and and uh, Polygon CK and so on. So these bridges, these ecosystems are coming next, and um, also supporting Bitcoin. So really, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, native, yeah. native Bitcoin. Yeah, native and wrapped. Very interesting. Okay, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that answers also. A a question out of the of the community here yeah exactly yeah so daniele was asking here yeah how many um blockchains have you already connected i think i saw this question before ah he has another question here ah yeah the, his initial question was are you planning to expand the number of change chains you support yeah and which are the ones coming soon so i think you already answered that question There was a second one. Uh, how many users are currently using Jumper.exchange? Yeah. I cannot I cannot share the number because right now I don't have the actual number. Jumper has been growing mm -hmm. pretty, pretty fast. Um, so our B2C interface, like if we literally have grown that um, that Twitter account from zero to 
Wait, are we right now? I think um, 150,000 or 120,000 mm -hmm. followers or something. Um, 110. Um, and uh, Jumper is growing very fast. Um, but I don't have actual numbers. Um, I was mm -hmm. traveling not the past weeks, so I don't have current numbers. I see. I see. So out, out of a, a user perspective, um, I think many, many users already know the, the common aggregators like one inch. Yeah. If you want to do these swaps, um, what, what are the benefits using Leafy, uh, compared to, to the existing platforms? Oh, well, we're an aggregator, right? So instead of you having to make a choice whether you want to use a sushi swap or, or Uniswap, you can simply ask us and we will tell you, right? At the same time, um, so DEX aggregators are, are doing that to a certain extent, but DEX aggregators only do it for DEXs. We do it across all the DEX aggregators. So with, with us, you get to compare 0x with 1inch and with mm -hmm. Parasop and OpenOcean and Dodo and other DEX aggregators. So... Uh, Ultimately, we can give you the best price um, across any chain. And, okay. um, and also in a combination of those, right? Often you have to swap in order to bridge. So if you can swap and bridge within one transaction, you're saving a lot of gas overhead and we can do that for you. Amazing, amazing. So more or less an aggregator of aggregators. Yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> multi-chain multi liquidity yeah. aggregation layer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really impressive, yeah. I, yes. I need to I need to test it myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you haven't tested yet. I haven't tested yet. Yeah. No. How dare you? Damn, damn. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I wanted I wanted to talk to you first. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I could reassure you now. Like it's the same. Yeah. The now safety now I trust I trust your abilities. <laughs> yeah. That that my funds are safe. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's really important, especially in this place. Um, to, to have all those uh, safety measures in place, yeah, because it's it's really scary to connect your wallet the first time, yeah, to a new protocol, and uh, it's it's always yeah uh, stressful to me, yeah, at least, yeah, to to do this. Yeah, so <laughs> I think that's also a, a plus for you because you really do your due diligence and uh, also provide yeah the 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 right uh, tool set yeah because i have seen uh, other other aggregator platforms that are bragging yeah with the number of of, of bridges they implemented but uh, yes. as you mentioned yeah not every bridge is safe and secure and maybe it's it's not the best thing yeah to have the 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 highest number yeah the count of of the bridges yeah more the quality is i think uh, the the essential information here, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think we have seen plenty of um, um, we have we have seen plenty of competitors coming up, but most of them are underestimating what it takes to build a reliable product. Um, it's it's mm -hmm. it's so much work. It's really difficult. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, yeah, we are close close to one hour in the AMA. So I want to be respectful of your time. Maybe we can uh, go through through a, a few more points and then wrap it up. So could you could you tell us a little bit about the the, the future plans of Lefi and the, the next upcoming exciting milestones? Um, the next milestones. Uh, are essentially um, implementing a few more bridges that will open up new ecosystems. 
Um, and then, yeah, going to these ecosystems, especially as these ecosystems are non-EVM, like Solana, it takes additional audits, it takes additional overhead on, 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 on everything. So, um, so yeah, th this is next. I think this year we are pretty much booked out simply implementing new bridges and ecosystems. Um, that, that's kind of it. And make it fast and more reliable. So at the same time, we spend a lot of time in optimizing smart contracts, optimizing our API in terms of performance and reliability, utilizing the data we can collect on all of these things to build a better product, provide a better user experience. Um, and this is what our company is busy with uh, this year. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, so we are always looking out for for those tools yeah, to, to onboard the masses. And I think uh, your approach is, is pretty much uh, mandatory yeah, <laughs> for the future yeah, because it's, it's getting more and more complicated with uh, all those new ecosystems. And what, what, what is your opinion? What are the biggest hurdles to attract the, the, the Web2 masses to crypto? Sorry again? What what are the, the biggest hurdles, the biggest problems that we need to solve in, in in the blockchain space to onboard the Web2 crowd? Oh, it's a very mixed question. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult question to answer. So in, essentially, there are multiple parts missing. One part that is missing is a safe regulatory environment in which companies can move in and out. Um, so regu regulations have to come in order for companies to get more involved. And another thing is speed. So scalability um, is a major blocker. Um, just as I mentioned, uh, I think before, so high frequency trading right now happens on nanoseconds level, right? So nanoseconds, uh, um, this is uh, where they execute trades in, in traditional finance. Now crypto, it's not even nanoseconds, it's not milliseconds, it's seconds. So it's very far away from where it should be. And that comes with different risks and it's just very unreliable on, on that level. Um, at the same time, yeah, unreliability as such is topic, like ecosystems like Polygon have very unstable RPCs and um, these things are getting overrun pretty quickly. Um, alongside that, alongside that, um, the high transaction costs we pretty easily get on uh, Ethereum. And why is that relevant? Well, liquidity debt on, on Ethereum is still the largest um, or the deepest, so to say, right? Um, so um, liquidity debt is a major blocker for institutional money because if liquidity is not deep enough, the, trade can, the trades cannot be large without um, a huge price impact. So a better environment for price impact protected trading um, would require more liquidity. Um, so it's kind of a chicken egg problem, right? You want to attract more liquidity, but for that it needs more price, better price impact protected trading. So it's kind of a chicken egg problem. Um, it, it will sort itself out over time, but it just takes time. Um, and then there are things like MEV that also um, make it harder for for institutional money to move in. Um, there's more to it. It's also UX, um, but UX from a technical perspective. So abstraction is important. I mean, we already do some sort of network abstraction. It's also important to um, take a deeper look into account abstraction and automations in general. Like it's nothing new, it has always been around, but um, yeah, all of, all of these things have to mature much more and become much more um, a common ground for developers to engage with. Like we always had smart contract wallets like Etherspot to compensate for the lack of account abstraction. Um, but 
yeah, people were not very confident in using these things because um, they were custodial. And now with account abstraction being natively implemented on EVM level, um, these things become much more um, doable, but still early, still not optimal. And there are still um, new improvement proposals for better forms of account abstraction coming up. Um, so it just takes more time. The space is moving very fast. It just we, we are all very impatient. We have our funds in here and we want to grow and we want to win, um, but it just takes time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So there is there is a lot of room for improvement, but uh, yeah, the space is is really evolving in in an incredible speed. Yeah. So I I think Lefi is also contributing here. It's it's uh, part yeah with the aggregation, and it's it's really good to see yeah what you guys are building here, and I wish you uh, all the success yeah that you deserve in future. And I will instantly yeah, try to to make these cross <laughs> cross chain swaps <laughs> as soon as we as soon as we quit this AMA. And yeah, Philip, I, I want to thank you very much yeah, for for your time yeah, and all the knowledge you you've shared today with with us and the community. And course, yeah, any you. any closing closing words? Anything that we that we missed today? Closing words. Never stop learning. Like never stop educating yourself on on where the space is at and how things are progressing. It's super exciting. And the more you understand, the easier it gets to learn other things that are coming up. I'm still catching up with with so many things here. It's 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 hard to catch up with things. But um, besides all that investing, don't forget to embrace what we are building and don't forget to um, to educate. You need to educate yourself to be able to educate. Um, um, your peers, your friends, your family, and tell them what we're doing. Well said, well said. Yeah. So where where can we follow you and and Levi? Well, it's uh, it's uh, you see my Twitter account, obviously here in the space. Um, and then uh, of course I can I can also um, uh, link um, Levi's account, and I can also link uh, Jumper's account, and those will take you to each uh, website um, where you can Amazing. then um, either implement us or simply use Jumper for bridging and swapping. Perfect. So thank you very much yeah, for your time. And yeah. Thank you too. I hope we, we talk to you soon yeah, when you can present some new milestones. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the time here. And uh, you guys, wherever you are, have a nice day or have a nice evening. And uh, see you soon. See you soon. Likewise, thank Bye. you very much. And thank you to the audience yeah, for joining in today. Please uh, like and retweet these spaces to spread the word about Lefi. Thank you very much. Till next time. Bye-bye. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. 
Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.